0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial, Steve Peasley President, KPP Financial, Independent Thinking, Shared Success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon everybody and welcome to the Wednesday afternoon show of Invest Talk. It is August 1st. August 1st, 2018. And now we have proof that our summer is slipping by since it's August 1st. No one wants to admit it. I don't. It's already August. Okay. So what's next? Back to school, then September. Uh, yeah, you can't stop it. Time ticks away. It's going to happen. I just hope you are monitoring your portfolio calendar as closely as you're monitoring your social business calendar. I'm Steve Peasley, and my advice in a few words is this start investing early. Diversify, and, and I'll add one more tip. Listen to the program. We'll help. We want to help. This is Invest Talk Talk about investments. And we talk to it every day, 4 to 5, Monday through Friday. Okay, and it's important that you monitor and start investing early, monitor what you're doing, and diversify. It's important. Did you know that the FANG stocks fell 9% in, what, three days, four days when when Facebook announced it's important to diversify. Yeah, you want to be in good, solid companies, but you got to diversify. So there's lots to talk about today, um, and I will get to several important topics. When retirement time arrives, some retirees may be restricted by reduced incomes, right? And some retirees who have planned well do not wish to spend any more money than they need to, especially when there's all, there, there are ways to reduce recurring costs. and So today... I'm going to take a look at the cost of homeowners insurance. Homeowners insurance. I got a couple of tips that might help you with that. I don't like to call them tips, but you know recommendations. So anyway, especially when you're near or in retirement, you want to keep keep close uh, tabs on your costs. But first, you've heard me say that your questions drive the show, not me. Let's demonstrate that now by going to a recording of of questions that came in earlier. On our time Listener Line, 888-99-CHART is the number.
2: Hi, this is Matthew from Seattle listening in on the podcast. On yesterday's podcast, you had mentioned that in terms of if you're looking to sell a home, now might be a good time to sell. I was curious what that means for folks that are looking to sell maybe a starter home and upsize. I'm curious to know how the landscape of the pricing is going to help form that type of decision and if there's any type of strategy you'd recommend for those of us looking to get out of our smaller starter homes and upsize thanks a bunch
1: well when it comes to your home and non-investment properties you have to do what's best for your family right I mean if you need a bigger home because your family is growing then of course you have to do it but think of it this way when home prices are rising it's good to upsize because the prices are rising when home prices are peaking Maybe it's not the best time to upsize because if they're peaking, the next, the next time might be a pullback. Now, no one knows exactly where home prices are going to go other than up in the long term. Probably because of staying up with inflation. So, uh, you know, I don't want you to not do something just because I think this is not a great time to be buying a home. And because I think, you know, we're seeing a peak in, in the housing market. I think that's what we're seeing. Uh, And, of course, I could be wrong, but I think that's what we're seeing. And I think, you know, the next recession, which is not that far down the road, next year, two years, uh, three years would be surprising to me. But in a recession, home prices come down. That would be a great time to buy. Also, interest rates would come down in a recession. So I, I kind of like that. But if you're trying to sell one home to buy another, it's you know, difficult. Remember, if you bought a bigger house, a higher price house, and it goes down 10%, you're losing more money than a small house going down 10%. It's as simple as that. But I don't think you should make a decision just based on that. Do you need a bigger house? Is your family growing? Uh, then you just do it. You do it, when, when it what you have to do. Okay? Now, many older Americans who own homes enter retirement looking for ways to cut expenses. And one way is looking at your homeowner's policy, homeowner's insurance. I don't think you should cut your property or liability coverage. I think that's unwise. I'm not talking about that. Don't cut that. Uh, Maybe your coverage is out of date. Maybe you need to look at it. It might be too much, too little, or just maybe because of your personal, personal wealth has changed over the years maybe you know maybe you can increase deductible and reduce your premium you know i recently increased my deductible to twenty five thousand dollars on my house just to reduce the premium because i can afford that first twenty five thousand and i've never had to use my homeowner's policy so i'm okay with that i'm okay with that you know and also shop around don't don't think just because you've been with one company forever and ever and ever that that's the place you have to stay. You'd be amazed at some of the price differences. You know, in big companies, you know, not, I'm not talking about flying by night companies. You always want to stay with a big company. and want a solid company for protection, protecting you. You want them to be around. Homeowner's insurance is a contract between you and the insurance company. As long as the insurance company's around, the contract is valid. So you want to make sure that insurance company's around. Okay? Those are just some of the suggestions. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. This is, this is, a, this is a, I'm just giving you a lot of practical advice on the homeowner things, right? So that's what this whole show is about, practical advice. You know, how to, how to do things, planning strategies for your portfolio, how to get things right, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. So, you know, if you have questions or you need help, Go to the contacts us page on investtalk.com and send me an email. You know, or you can just send me, a, or you can call. You can call right now. As a matter of fact, ask any questions you want, as long as it's financial. The number is eight 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 ninety nine chart. So, what's our feature talking point today? Why don't strong earnings always boost stock prices? Why does that happen? In other words, a company reports very good earnings, and the stock price very often goes down. Why is that? We had a call the other day that asked that very same question. I'm going to go into that a little bit more today. And um, I want to talk about the yen, the dovish attitude, the bank of Japan's taking on the yen, and the slightly more um, um, bullish attitude on the British pound and what that means. And you know, of course, the Federal Reserve met today, so we'll talk about that in conjunction with that talking point. Financial forecasts that may not happen. So there's forecasts out there, and some of them I've talked about on this show, and, um, and they may not happen. I think we need to look at both sides. I think some of these will happen, but they may not. And I always, always, always stress, have an open mind, people. Don't close your mind on things. And finally, I want to talk about the blizzard of economic statistics coming out this week or have come out already and we got more coming out in the next couple of days so i mean we're talking about well let me put it this way tomorrow we'll have hardly anything factory orders but friday we have a, something very important a jobs report but we, for you know t- tuesday and wednesday we had just a ton of reports and a couple of them i want to go over talk about Economic reports, they tell you, they try to give you hints on where the economy is and where it's going to go. And I think that's very important as a money manager. Okay? The market was up. Or was it? It was mixed. The Dow was down 81, and the Nasdaq up 36. The S&P down three, and S&P being the better of those three indexes because it's broader. So the S&P was down three. Uh, the Dow down 81, and um the nasdaq up 36 almost all that increase in the nasdaq was apple apple reported very good numbers everybody was very happy with it and the stock went up nicely i mean apple i think is up yeah five and a half percent for this week most of that was today so that remember it's a you know 990 billion dollar company so it pushes around the indexes Just think if the Apple wasn't there, the S&P would have fell a lot harder than just three points. And Nasdaq would have fallen, not drained today. So that's what happened. What do you want to talk about? I have lots of stuff to talk about. I hope, you know, remember, you drive the show. What's on your mind is more important. Now, as we head into this short break, I want to say... You know, hello to our friends and Invest Talk listeners in Northern California. I will be coming back to San Jose on August 29th. The reason why I go to San Jose, the Bay Area, is because that's where the live radio show is broadcasting from. So um, that's why I go up there quite often. I have a lot of clients there. Now, if you want to meet with me, all you do is just call and set up an appointment. It's pretty simple. Just go to InvestTalk.com, send us an email, let me know. Now the lines are open. 888 99 charge.
2: Welcome to August. Thanks for listening to Invest Talk. Have you subscribed to the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play? Please do. Then listen, rate, and review. This helps us improve our Invest Talk programming. And now, Steve's here, and he's taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART.
1: Why don't we go ahead and talk to Gene, who's in North Carolina, talk about homeowner's insurance. How are you doing, Gene?
3: Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. you. were just Thank talking you. about homeowner's insurance and saving money on the premium by raising your deductible?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Yes, I agree with you. I, I raised mine from 1000 to 5000 and it saved me a lot of money. But I just want to give yeah. one word of caution, and that is, if you have a mortgage on your home, yeah. your homeowner's, uh, your mortgage company, uh, main lender, may not allow you to, to raise your deductible up to a certain amount.
1: That is true. So they have you, some. Some say.
3: Yeah, you need to check with them to make sure you understand what the maximum deductible you can. Um, Policy you can have uh, on your uh, yeah. Was yours was yours
1: limited, Gene? Gene, was yours limited to five thousand?
3: It was limited to a thousand, and then after I paid off my mortgage, I raised it to five thousand. I was free of the bank.
1: Ah, okay, okay. i
3: well, appreciate thing that for, um, for bringing... aut- Same thing applies for auto insurance too, and raising deductibles if you have a loan on the oh, yes. car.
1: Oh yes, yeah. Yeah, I, ha- I hate to tell people what I have done. I- I've never clear- carried collision or comp on my cars. Cause I pay cash for them, and I I don't buy a collision or a comp. I've never never used it, never saw a need for it. And I work for insurance companies. I know how much money they make on that stuff. So I just put the money aside. And just bought a new car every so often with it. But that's how I did it. Gene, that's appreciate the call. Thanks budget. for the for, thanks for your thank you. Eight 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 nine nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. So why doesn't earnings strong earnings Boost stock prices. And I, we talked about this was it yesterday or the day before. I'm not sure. And that's because the stock price goes up on the rumor of strong earnings. And then when they actually come out, the stock probably not, many times sells off. And it's all about the futures, not what's happening now. It's never what's happening now. It's always about the future. So let's say the CEO announces very strong earnings. They beat their estimates on sales. They beat their estimates on earnings and had the greatest quarter they ever had. But he also says that next quarter won't be as strong. The stock will go down guaranteed. Let's say the company doesn't beat its earnings. Let's say in sales. Let's say it's slightly below or very close. But they say the next quarter is going to be much better. The stock will probably go up. Because it's all about the future, not the present, but look, look, not about the future. Look at Tesla. Tesla doubled their losses after hours reported. They lost twice as much money as they, they uh, did the last year ago quarter. Much worse than that was expected, but they slightly beat on sales. And said that they're going to do much better in the next quarter or two. Much better. Stock is up really big after hours. But they're losing more money. Twice as much. Doesn't matter. You see? see. So you can't. The the earnings that are reported at the time is is worthless as far as an investor. For you as an investor. And there's that old saying. I'll mention it again. You buy the rumor and sell the news. Buy the rumor, sell the news. Got any questions? Now's time to call 888-99-Chart.
2: If there's ever a moment when you question how well your portfolio is doing or could be doing, it might be smart to make time to look into the various investment strategy programs available to clients of KPP Financial. It's easy. Just click on the investment programs link at investtalk.com. And now we are taking your financial and investment questions live. 888-99-CHART. Hi,
0: this is John in Kansas City. I'm calling, wondering about Bright House Financial, B-H-F. I know that it's a company that uh, Greenlight Capital is really interested in. It looks undervalued to me, and I'm trying to figure out if uh, that is the better way to go or if it would be better for me to just invest directly in GLRE, Greenlight Capital, which has such a large stake in Bright House Financial. Thanks so much. I appreciate
3: your attention.
1: Okay. B is a boy. H is in Henry. F is in Frank. Bright House, Bright House Financial out of Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina. It's a $5 billion company and it's a fairly new company. Came out, looks like, around September ish of 2017. Okay. Uh, they make money. In uh, 2017, they made $7.05 a share. 2018, the estimate is $8.43. That's 20% higher. And then 2019, another 8% up, $9.14. Sales, um, it's interesting. The first four quarters ago, sales are shrinking. And recent quarters, they've been growing. The most recent quarter being March, sales were up 88%. Very erratic. That kind of makes me nervous. It's not very steady and that's probably why the stock is selling at $43 when making so much money. You can make $9 and 40 and 14 cents a share next year and it's only a $43 stock. So that tells you, you know, how cheap it is. Um, it's what, 5 less than 5 PE and the 5 year range is 6 to 9. So it's pretty low. But the return on equity is only 6%. So there's got there's a reason why there's a low P, uh, because it's not very consistent in its earnings and sales and uh, the return on equity assets are kind of low. Uh, there's you know it's got issues that make investors nervous. Now having said that, it looks like a bottom right at the beginning of July, and has been working its way up ever since. So it might be a good buy point at this point. Because it's bottomed right around forty dollars, and it's now forty three thirty one. So I, I think this could be a buy point if you're just looking at the technicals. The fundamentals tells me, you know, I'm a little nervous about the stock. Okay, B H F, everybody, B H F. Okay, economic numbers. We get economic numbers out every every week, and some weeks are pretty pretty slim. And some weeks are loaded. And these economic numbers are reported generally once a month. Okay, the various economic statistics. And many of them are not very helpful for investors. Because you really want to look at leading economic indicators, not lagging economic indicators. And many of the reports we see are lagging. Now every week we get unemployment claims. That's a leading economic indicator. We also get construction numbers. And this week, construction spending was down 1.1%. But remember, that's a lagging, I indicator. begin to care. But it was down after being up 1.3% the month before. This is for the June down. But look at your building permits when you're looking at construction, new homes, uh, office buildings, apartment buildings, doesn't matter. Always look at, Applications for new construction, permits for new construction. That's a leading economic indicator. And permits are fairly strong. So uh, even though the construction is bending with down, doesn't mean it's a negative thing if permits is holding up and doing very well. So you got to look at that. Uh, it came out today, uh, ADP unemployment number, uh, employment number, I should say. 219,000 jobs versus last month, 181. That's what they think the number is. The official number comes out on Friday. And this is for June. So I'm sorry, this is for July. This is for July. The official number comes out on Friday. Okay, so we'll see that. Uh, The construction number was for June, people. I didn't misspeak. It was for June. Uh, But we're getting mostly July numbers these days. Um, What else was important this week? Well, the other one that's going to be important is coming out Friday. And we have the non-farm payrolls. Again, that's a lagging economic indicator. We have the unemployment rate, average hourly earnings. You know what's a leading economic indicator? Average hours worked. The work week, how many hours? Did it go up or down? Not the earnings, but hours worked. If it goes up... That means that boys are making more money and the, the economy is getting stronger because they needed to work longer hours, that kind of thing. That's why it's a leading economic indicator. So I just want you to know economic numbers come out all the time. And it's important to kind of know what they are. You don't have to be an expert in it. You just kind of want to know what's going on, okay? Tomorrow on Invest Talk, should you max out your 401k contributions in 2018? I talked to one of my brother-in-laws about this just today. In certain circumstances, achieving your financial goals might be possible without maxing the 401k contribution. But is that smart? I'll break it down. That's going to be tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley. I'm at my desk and ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART.
0: Our podcast continues next. The process of investing is more than just picking stocks. Investing begins with savings, of course, and along the way, there are issues about taxes and then estate planning and on and on. KPP financial clients have a ready resource of information about any and all of these personal financial matters. All they need to do is ask. Managing your money gets more complex every day And there are more options than the average person could possibly comprehend. And when we're confronted with too many choices, research shows that people put off decisions, important decisions. Most times, that's not productive. KPP Financial's philosophy is the more their clients know, the more successful they'll be. And the more predictable their future will be. KPP Financial, serving the average investor, helping them find solutions. Now let's continue with the podcast.
2: InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Principal Steve Peasley has renewed his limited-time offer of a free portfolio review conducted during in-person appointments in San Jose. The date will be August 29th, but you must register, and please do so soon, at investtalk.com. Do you want to speak with Steve? He's here now, and he's taking your calls. 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is John from Baleo. I was calling in to see what your guys' opinion is on CY. I have a small position in it, and i looking to see what you what you think about the company overall and if I should invest more. Thanks.
1: Okay, this is Cypress Semiconductor is the name of the stock, CY. It is a six six uh, $6.3 billion company, so it's... Pretty good size. Uh, it's gonna make a dollar thirty-four per share this year, that's the estimate, and dollar forty-nine next year. It made 89 cents a share last year. So that's up 50%, then another 10-11% next year. So a dollar forty-nine and it's a $17.63 stock. So that tells you that um, it is about what, a 15 PE or so? Okay, maybe 14. And their five-year range is 12 to 29. So it is still inexpensive, but sales are starting to slow a bit, which makes me a little nervous. They were growing in their teens, got to low, you know, 32% one, a year plus ago. But now they're growing 5 and 10% in the most recent quarters. And we've already had this quarter's earnings, and the earnings were 5%. So it really is not boosting the stock very high. But it is a good value play. It pays a 2.5% dividend. Not much debt. Management owns one percent. So, I, I think it having. I, I think it needs to break above eighteen dollars and fifty cents before I'd be a buyer because that's where the resistance is that came in last March, and that was the only resistance left that we have. And uh, it's seventeen sixty three. So it's not a far. I, I would wait till it breaks above that, or does, or it pulls back down to around 16, $16.40, $16.40. It's a pullback. I don't know if I buy it right here at this point. I'd like to see either a breakout to a new 52-week high and then just run with it or pull back a little bit to give me some, maybe a better price. See why, everybody. Let's go to Brian in Florida. How are you doing, Brian?
3: I'm good. How are you doing, Steve?
1: I'm good. Thank you for the call.
3: Appreciate it. Um, my questions uh, about med Medtronic
1: stock. The ticker is MDT. Okay, M D is isn't dog T.
3: Yep.
1: Okay, got it. Yeah. Uh, M D T. Medtronic, everybody. It's out of Ireland, believe it or not. You know, they they probably were here in the United States. And there's a period where a bunch of companies reformed themselves in Ireland because of the tax benefits. It develops implantable cardiac rhythmic devices, spinal implants, and other device-based medical therapies. It's a $121 billion company. It's big. It's huge. It's a mega cap. They're going to make $5.12 a share this year after $4.77 last year and $5.55. So it's going up 7-8%. That's pretty good for this size of company. You're not buying a growth company. It's too big. You can't grow that fast. Even though it is growing, it's growing in one to five percent sales increase every quarter. It had a four percent drop in the October two thousand seventeen quarter, but the other quarter's been rising. So it pays a two point two percent dividend. It's at a new looks like it's at a new fifty two week high. So it it's at a new high. So right now is it is it expensive? Well, it's a ninety dollars stock, gonna make five dollars and fifty cents. So that's about a nineteen PE, and that's right at the high end of its range, uh, Brian. So, if you do you you, you want you have something you want to buy more? Is that what you said?
3: Well, my question is, um, so I work there, and I've heard other callers call in about their um, employee stock purchase plans. Um, I've been participating in that for about five years now. I mean, five years ago, the stock was $43. Now we're at $90. So the past five years have been great. I guess my question is with there being tons of things you can do with your money, which at a 15% discount, what would you do?
1: Yeah, that's always a tough question. Um, how much do you have of it as a percentage of your overall portfolio? Do you have, is it dominate, you know, because you've been buying it through that stock purchase plan? And can you sell it? If you buy it, can you sell it right away, or do you have to hold on to it for a certain length of time?
3: I have to hold it for a year before I can sell it. Mm -hmm. Uh, At one time, it did dominate. I guess it still kind of does. The problem is it's been performing so well, I've been hesitant to sell it. But I have started to sell it, and I just buy S&P 500 ETFs. Um, and then I've listened into a couple of uh, safe dividend stocks. Uh, okay. So uh, I have diversified it's v- some.
1: It's very attractive to buy it at a 15% discount. Okay. It's very attractive because it's a solid company. I would probably keep buying it at that discount and then on the other end continue to sell it. Um, Because I don't want you to get, you don't ever want a stock to be too dominant of a whole overall portfolio. You're doing the right thing by cutting it back and diversifying. Even though, I understand, it's done very well. You think, wow, man, five years, it's doubled. Why wouldn't I keep buying it? Well, at some point, it won't happen. It won't. And then if your portfolio is just 90% of that, 50% of that one stock, then no matter how else anything else does, it doesn't matter. And then you're kind of at the mercy. Then what do you do? You sell it when it falls? No, you don't want to sell it when it falls. You want to sell it when it's going up. You know? So how how far up is up? You know. As I said, it's at a t- upper range of its P/E ratio. But I'm pretty sure it'll probably continue to do very well. I mean, and you also get 2.2 percent dividend. So I would probably keep buying at the 15% discount and just keep cutting it down so it doesn't dominate too much. That's what I would do. Brian, appreciate the call. Thank you very much. That's MDT Medtronics, Simply because it's getting at the top of its range is value. It's a good company, good solid company. As many of you know, Justin and I have made an ongoing investment of our time and money for the production of this Invest Talk Radio Show. As you know that. In fact, KPP Financial has been producing this program for more than 20 years, and we're glad to do it because it makes us a reliable, go-to source for investors, and we like doing it. I enjoy it. We also know that some of you recognize that our training and our experience can be brought to your table to help you. You want to maximize your earnings and your strategy and your portfolio. We all do, so it's good for all of us. So you can listen for free, of course, submit your questions anytime you want, and you can register for a no-cost portfolio review as well. Remember, I'm going to be in San Jose next month. Oh, this month now, not next month, this month, later on this month. So we're here for you now, live, and we encourage you to visit investtalk.com anytime, especially when you're ready to learn more.
2: Invest Talk is broadcast on radio in the San Francisco Bay Area and simultaneously streamed live at InvestTalk.com each weekday afternoon between 4 and 5. So please tell your friends. And for friends and family members who might benefit from a no-cost portfolio review, let them know that Invest Talk's Steve Peasley will be returning to San Jose for limited availability appointments on August 29th. Steve can help make sure their portfolio or your portfolio remains in line with a sensible long-term asset allocation strategy and risk tolerance. Mark your calendar August 29th, then register through the portfolio review page at investtalk.com. Now, Steve is here, the phone lines are open, and he's taking your questions. 888-99-CHART. 992-4278.
1: Nine nine two four two seven eight. Let's talk to Keith in San Diego. How you doing, Keith?
3: Hello, doing fine, Steve. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, wondering about your opinions for USFD,
2: US Food Food Holdings, uh, as a uh, buy at these levels.
1: Okay, so you're thinking about buying after it fell hard.
2: Correct. Yes. Yeah,
1: it was at 40, 40 almost forty-one dollars. Everybody three days ago, and then earnings probably came. I, I'm assuming it was earnings, Keith, that made it drop. And today it's at thirty-two uh, and,
2: ninety-one. Yeah, and I think that they were also buying another company for like two something uh, billion, and I think that may have had an effect on the stock price.
1: And that would because they're a seven billion dollar company, and when you're buying a two plus billion dollar company, that is a huge. Acquisition to swallow, you know it, it. That kind of because when they get that size, you know you got to you got to you got to combine and meld a lot of different departments and different different technologies, and it is assumed that they're going to lose some business because of it. May not be true, but remember you're talking about investors, and they they assume certain things. Uh, their growth rate has shrunk to zero in the most recent quarter, and that was bad. I just reported that that's what caused it. But at thirty-two ninety-one, it's right at the 200-day moving average, which should be support. And they're going to make $2.28 next year, $32 stock. So you're looking at about a five, six, 16 PE, and the range is 15 to 23. So I think this might be a good area to pick it up. I take a close look at that acquisition, Keith. to Make sure that it is accretive, not destructive to the company. It, it adds to the company, not would take take away from the company. Um, so I look at that that uh, that very closely. But also, you want to wait till it hit starts trading sideways and not it's still dropping, it's still going down. Uh, so let's wait till about a week of sideways or up movement, and then you could step into it. That would be a better Tactic than trying to catch a falling knife as it's falling, but no, the company itself looks pretty solid. Okay, um, do you know uh, it, I, it's that acquisition? Is if, if it's cash or it's cash and stock? Are they going to issue bonds? How are they going to pay for the acquisition? And you know how much overlap? There's just you really got to look at that acquisition, Keith. That's what I think. Appreciate the call. Th- thank you. Okay, um, the Japanese, the Bank of Japan, announced that they are not going to raise their rates, even though everybody thought they would start to tighten. They said, nope, we're going to leave the rates really alone, really low, and, we're, and we don't see any time soon that we're going to raise rates. So that's going to ensure that the Japanese yen probably stays weak against our dollar. And, of course, they want that to happen, so their exports will do well. The British pound, the British pound, they raised the rates by a quarter point today. Well, I'm take that back. They're estimated to raise a rate of quarter point tomorrow when they meet. Okay, and uh, remember, they're in the middle of Brexit leaving the EU. So that probably, if that happens, that'll probably make the British pound stronger against the dollar. Why is this important? Well, if you're talking about trade. It's important how long strong our dollar gets um, against other currencies. And you'll note that our dollar has been trading sideways for a month and a half or so. It's up a little bit today. The Federal Reserve meeting ended today. I don't know if it wasn't reported much. They had a two-day meeting, their normal meeting. And they did nothing with interest rates, which was expected. But they strongly suggested at their next meeting they're going to raise rates again at their next meeting and they'll probably raise them 0.25 percent another quarter point and right now they're they're at the range of 1.75 to 2 percent they're in that range now so they want to move that up because they're worried about inflation even though there's really not too much evidence of it they're just some evidence of it but it's not gotten out of hand or anything so I find it interesting that Bank of Japan doesn't want to increase rates at all. They don't want to tighten their money supply. They don't want to mess it with it at all. And Britain, yeah, does. I find that interesting. I don't know the EU. EU still have a weak money. You know, I have a have a uh, I have a, an adverse. Um, they don't want to raise their rates either. They're in the position they want to keep it weak too, but. They've hinted that they're going to start. Now we have started to we've started to increase our rates two years ago, plus two, you know, and we started to run off some of the huge Federal Reserve uh, balance sheet from 4.4 trillion at a peak. Now I think it's down to four, so close to it, but it's starting to roll over. They're letting letting the bonds they own expire and. I don't. We don't really know exactly how they're letting it roll. They could be selling them into the market. We don't know for sure. But it's uh, interesting, what's going on with the money supplies. It all goes to you know weak dollar, strong dollar, imports, exports, it, and gold prices, precious metal prices. You know all the strength of the dollar p- plays impact on a lot of different assets, commodities, oil, you name it. You know, it, it, the strength of the dollar, the weakness of the dollar. You know, in, in actuality, uh, if you if we want to increase our trade and try to get our balance in order, the dollar should fall. But it's been rising ever since around April. Bottomed in February. Been rising ever since, you know, the bottom. But started taking off in April. So, uh, you know, that hurts exports. Okay, um, helps imports, and that, that hurts our trade deficit. Uh, I bet you President Trump would rather have a weak dollar than a strong dollar, but we're raising interest rates. I mean, our interest rates, we're, we're, on our 10-year treasury, is, is 3%. What are the country paying 3%? Nobody. their government bonds? Nobody. On our 10-year treasury. <laughs> our Wednesday Investor program is almost concluded and ready for upload. The archive podcast collection, but we still have about 10 minutes left. Everybody, 10 minutes time to get a call in 888 99 Chart.
2: On the next Invest Talk, should you max out your 401k contributions in 2018? That's tomorrow. But now, a Wednesday Invest Talk continues driven by your questions. Steve's here and he's ready and waiting for your calls. 888 99 Chart. I have a question uh, regarding short ratios and short percent of float tell me a little bit about what those mean and when you're evaluating a company what numbers you would look for what do those exactly mean and what numbers you look for when evaluating a company thank you my name is John and I listen to you on podcast
1: okay what is going short what are short ratios or number of days short in the float what does that mean shorting is different than okay when you buy a stock You buy it at a certain price and you hope it's going to go up. That's called buying a stock long. You're buying it long, you want it to go up, and you make profits on it going up. Shorting is just the opposite. You're selling short. And what that means is you think the stock is going to go down, so you sell it short. And how you do that is you borrow somebody else's stock, your brokerage firm, you put in the order to sell something short. 100 shares of XYZ company, and the broker says, yes, you can do that because you got to have the availability to do it. You sell the stock short, you sell 100 shares of somebody else's because you borrowed it, sold it in your portfolio, and you got to buy it back at some point to give it back to the person you borrowed it from. So selling someone else's stock is shorting the stock. So you're selling it at $20, You hope it goes down to $10, and you buy it back at $10, give it back to them, and you just pocketed the difference in the price from $20 down to $10. Now, how many shares are short? Okay, try to remember how how I just described selling stocks short. If you have a lot of shorts, and I'm looking at U.S. Foods Holding Company, which was the last one we talked about, the short interest on it is 3.6 days. Okay, that means the days of the shares traded, the volume, average volume is 29 million shares. And therefore, they have about 70, about uh, 90 million shares short of the 213 million shares outstanding. Why is that important? Because when they get out of the position of being short, when you get out of that position, you have to buy the stock. What if all the shorts decide to buy at the same time? What would that do to the stock price? It would go up. And that would be called a short squeeze. They're being squeezed. The price is going up. As the price goes up, they're making less money or they're losing money. So if you have too many stocks short, too many stocks in the float short, that is actually positive for the stock price to go up. Especially if the stock starts to move up and all the shorts decide to get out all at one time. That push it up even higher. So percentage short, number of days short, that's what that means. Percentage means the percent of the sh- of the float. How many stocks are short as a percentage of the number of shares floating around buying, and bought, and sold. Uh, and when they talk about days, number of days short, they're talking about the average volume of trade and how many days that is short of that at when and when you add a, the number of days times the average daily volume how many shares so now the question well how much is a lot and how much is not very much i wish it was easy to say well this many days and that percent well it's not that easy depends on how liquid the stock is depends on a lot of factors okay financial forecast that may may not happen like, like, like stocks will revert to their average. Well, what's the historical average? Over the last 100 years, trailing 12-month PE is 16.5%. That's trailing 12-month PE. Try to understand the term, because the average uh, uh, PE, S&P 500 is around 15. Okay, so... Between 15 and 16 is the average. What if they never go back to that? We all assume it's going to go back to that. What if they don't? Now, I believe they will. I think everything reverts to the mean eventually. But it doesn't have to. And what if it takes five years? Interest rates are always headed, are are headed higher. Well, maybe maybe they are. It seems logical, sounds logical. But look how long it stays this low. I thought it would be a lot higher a long time ago. So you can't take these things for granted and just assume they're going to be correct because there's always that time frame that's important. Okay, that completes another instructive Talk program, everybody. Thanks for your help with good questions. If you want to replay any or all of today's program, you can do so at will from the podcast page at InvestTalk.com. Thanks for listening, and please come back tomorrow. I'm Steve Beasley. Good night.
0: Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis & Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlus & Peasley Financial, which retains all rights.